Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. When faced with fear, anxiety, threats, intimidation, we sometimes, like Elijah, run away. And we're going to learn with Elijah, God's going to meet him there. But sometimes we run to our friends and we pray. And we say, look, I heard, what he, I heard the threats. And God, I've seen you act in history. I've watched you with Jesus, your Messiah. I, I've seen it happen. So just give us the boldness to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's a prayer for some of you today. That's a word from the Lord. This is amazing grace. been fearful, intimidated, anxious, or threatened? I think we've all been there, but the question is, where do you go from there? Well, some, like Elijah, head off to a cave and struggle with despair. But there's a much better way to go, and Pastor Ed Taylor will point that out in today's lesson on Abounding Grace. We take you to 1 Kings 19 on this Thursday broadcast. 1 Kings Chapter 19 is where I'd like you to open. 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah went from the heights of victory to the depths of despair. He went from Mount Carmel all the way down into the caves. Why? Because he's a normal human being. He went from faith to fear so quickly as he was threatened by King Ahab's nasty, aggressive, evil wife, Jezebel. She vows to kill him. And his response was to run away. And he runs away so quickly, as we learned last time, that he left his servant behind. I mean, he was out of here. And we don't always have to run when we're threatened, you know. We don't always have to run away and leave the ones that we love behind. In the strength of the Lord, we can stand our ground in the face of threats and intimidation. We actually see that all over the, the Bible, but I want to show one place to you in particular. If you'd flip over to Acts, hold your places in Kings, and flip over to Acts chapter 4, as we see the early church having to face fear and intimidation and threats. They're the tools of the enemy. You have to see that way in your life. Fear, intimidation, threats are tools of the enemy designed to silence you, to keep you inactive, to make you cower in fear, to keep you quiet, to keep you to yourself, to make your relationship with Jesus Christ something like in our culture we've been raised, hey, faith is a private thing. It's a private thing. Faith and politics. Those are the two things that, that are not allowed to be discussed in the open forum without somebody just, and now it's with social media and the trolls and everything, I mean, they just bury you if you want to speak up for what you believe in. And we live in a culture that seems to allow everyone to speak about anything but Jesus Christ. You can speak about spirituality and you can speak about God 
capital G-O-D. You, you can speak, you could probably even speak about church, but then you're getting really close because the minute that you mention Jesus, then that's it, it's over. Nobody, now, now they, they're name calling and illogical arguments and the fear of losing your job, the, the fear of losing your reputation, uh, all sorts of in, intimidation, confusing threats, condemning accusations, they begin to add up and, and, and it seems like the, the right answer is, well, I just won't talk about that then. I just won't, I won't bring it up in the family. I won't bring it up at work. I won't talk to my neighbor. I won't even, and you, you and I, we have to learn, we have to learn tactfulness and technique because we can use tactfulness and technique to communicate in the world. I was speaking to someone recently who uh, emailed me and asked me a question about, you know, how I'm serving at work and I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job of being a witness at work and, and, and I, I know what the rules are at work and I shared with her one of the techniques that I picked up when I was in the corporate world and that was simply talking about the things of God without quoting a scripture. What I mean by that is, when you hide God's word in your heart, it comes out of you very naturally. So when you're sharing, you don't always have to say, this is what the Bible says, or you don't always have to quote the particular place in the Bible. You can speak forth the truth of God's word by simply speaking forth truth without ever giving it the actual, because truth is truth. And you're building a relationship, and, and you are following the rules, you know, you may not quote the Bible at work. Okay, when I sign on to work, I sign on the dotted line that I'll keep the rules of, of the work until, you know, they cross the line and I, I can't be a believer anymore. So, okay, I realize that I'm in a politically correct environment, and so I will learn how to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a politically correct environment. I will learn how to develop a relationship with people, and how to befriend people, and how to give truth to people, so that in that relationship, as they trust me, that perhaps I can then go to lunch with them, and on my own time, I can open the Bible to them, I can begin to share with them, I can make myself available to them, they can email me on my personal email. They can maybe send a text to me. I mean, you can learn how to get around without being intimidated and so fearful. Now, some of you, you just have to be bold. God is now, now I've spoken to you about accommodating our culture and, and, and accommodation is very important, technique and tact, but there are those times when boldness is in order. There are those times when you have, when you are, you're let's put it into the jobs, job arena where when it comes to your job or your testimony before the Lord, you're just gonna have to choose your testimony and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, you were looking for a job when you got this one. And so if the Lord says, I don't want you any, here anymore, then you, you, there are some listening to me right now. You just gotta learn to be bold. Now, don't misunderstand boldness with stupidity. I didn't say you should be stupid, <laughs> but just bold. I remember many times, but some in particular that I've shared with you before where I just sensed that God wanted me to be bold and I walked up into my boss's office thinking this will be the last time I talk to him because he will send me to HR and he will escort me off the property. And guess what? That didn't happen. And the Lord blessed that boldness. I was, I, you know, with, ta with tact and technique, I shared the gospel with him. I shared my heart with him. I gave him the gift that, he, that I felt like the Lord wanted me to give him, which was a Bible. And, and instead of saying, you're fired, you broke all the rules, you know what he said? Thank you. 
get back to work, you know. <laughs> I was like, on my, on my own time. But you see, a, a, as, a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, your life, my life, was designed to be shared, to live out in community with other people. We live in a very large city. We live in a very large metro area. We live in a very populated state. And we were, we were designed, our lives were designed to be shared, whether it's, you know, for us here locally or somebody listening right now, well, wait a minute, Ed, my town only has 500. Well, then you have much greater access to the community because, you know, in a town of 500, they know everything about everything anyway. So now they know you love Jesus. And now you can live it out. You have a story you have a God story, and it's through your life and through your testimony that God brings others to himself. And show, sharing that story is so powerful that the gates of hell literally are stirred up against you to silence you from sharing your story. And while I have some stories about being bold at work, I also have some stories on the other side of where fear silenced me or where I felt intimidated, and what I might have called, well, I'll wait to an more appropriate time. As I look back now, I can see that that was just an excuse to cover my fear, and having the Lord having to deal with that. So you go both ways. You know, it's not only success stories. I can remember many times, of which I now regret, when I felt a prompting of the Lord to open my mouth, and I didn't. And I think we all have those as well. Now, we have an episode in Acts chapter 4 of a time of intimidation, a time of great fear. I'll draw your attention to verse, uh, let's go to 19. Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Well, let's not do that. Let's go back to verse 13 for context. Now, this is the Sanhedrin. This was the, the in effect, the Supreme Court of, of Jerusalem. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? That, that's how, that this is an insight into how people think when they're faced with the truth, they'll confer together and say, what are we going to do about these people? What, what are we supposed to do? Whether it's one person having to deal with you or a group, notice it says in verse 16, indeed a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to everyone that dwells in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But, verse 17, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us, and notice these words, severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19. But when Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which you have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. I love this answer. Hey, you judge. You judge whether we should speak or not or whether it's right. You judge, but we're not, we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop sharing. 
we're not going to stop. It, it says in verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen in her. We can't, we can't, we don't have anything else to say. We don't have anything else to say. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are a God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Now they're, they're taking their current situation and they're finding context in the scriptures and people are plotting vain things against them. That's even hard to conceive, isn't it? That there are people represented, connected to, peop- to us in this room that are plotting vain things against us right now as we speak. And so what do we do? Well, we do what they do. We pray. They go, God, you see what's going on. You see people plotting vain things. The kings, verse 26 of the earth, took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ for truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. The the sovereignty of God. They're leaning upon trusting God with their lives. This is no surprise to you, God. You have foreknowledge. You've seen all this coming. You've allowed it into our lives. Such great encouragement. Now, Lord, verse 29 Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When faced with fear, anxiety, threats, intimidation, we sometimes, like Elijah, run away. And we're going to learn with Elijah, God's going to meet him there. But sometimes we run to our friends and we pray. And we say, look, I heard, what he, I heard the threats. And God, I've seen you act in history. I've watched you with Jesus, your Messiah. I, I've seen it happen. So just give us the boldness to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's a prayer for some of you today. That's a word from the Lord. That, that your prayer needs to be, God, give me boldness. Grant me boldness. You've seen this. You've watched this. You, you know what the, you know, God, you know what's at stake because like the word says in uh, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determine before to be done. To do whatever you want to do with my life, God. I'm learning it. I'm learning it day by day. God, you already know. You already know. And I trusted you when I was born again. So now that I'm in a little place of fear and intimidation and I got threatened and I stood up to it. And so what was their response? They threatened me more. Now, let me just say this. Because some are thinking, well, I've never really faced the threat of another human being before. And if that's you, I just want to let you know, God bless you. I'm glad You've never had anybody threaten you or come against you or slander or gossip. Man, enjoy that. But I'll tell you this. What you haven't received from some other human being, the devil himself in the demonic realm has gone after you. To threaten you, intimidate you, lop loads of condemnation on you and guilt, to, to whisper in your ear, to interrupt your sleep, 
to, to just intimidate you and say, you'll never get out of this. It will never end. You, will, it's, you're, you've got, you have gone so far and it's so much out of your control. And, and on and on the lies go. And what do we do? Hey, man, we come together and we pray and we ask God, give me the boldness so I can stand against the, the wiles of the enemy and I can resist the devil because the devil will flee from me when I do that. So whether it's human or spiritual, the response is the same. They went to their fellowship, to their own companions, and they prayed. That's why gathering together with the saints is so powerful. As we see that becoming a theme uh, to encourage us as a church over the last few studies as a church. Like, man, getting together is vital. It does, it's not because you have to. It's because you get to, and you just need to be with other believers, and you just look around the room. You just need to be praying with one another, singing together, studying the Bible together, fellowshipping, eating together. We need to come together, and we need to pray. You need to pray. You, you, you aren't going to get through this alone. You need a prayer partner. If you don't have a prayer partner right now, pray for a prayer partner. And reach out and ask for a prayer partner. You, you, you come into the service, you sit in the, generally in the same place, you generally sit around the same people, well, introduce yourself. We ask you to greet each other. We're not goofing off. Like, we're not just doing that because, okay, here's church service. We gather together, and then we have three songs, and then 32 seconds, you greet one another. And then, no, man, when we ask you to greet, we, we mean it. We want you to welcome someone. You want you to be sensitive in the spirit. We want you to look people in the eye. You, you may find yourself, we want you to find out how you're feeling. We want to know, hey man, uh, you know the Broncos almost lost, but who cares? How's your spiritual life doing? I'll try that one. <laughs> try it. Tell me how it goes. We want you to get to know your church family. That that's that's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's yours. It's not just sitting around waiting. Well, who's going to greet me? Man, what do you mean, who's going to greet you? Well, who are you going to greet? Oh, I don't know. I'm not greeting anybody until somebody greets me. Oh, that sounds like, that, that sounds like the Holy Spirit's really working through you. It, it isn't the Holy Spirit. It, it's, it's you. And the only way that you're going to find yourself connecting with other people is if you submit you, you die to yourself, and you live to Christ. And you start stepping out in faith. And they don't run away like Elijah, and they don't freak out. They just come together and begin to pray for the spiritual warfare that they're experiencing. Even if they were, after they were told not to, they still prayed and asked for boldness. They needed more. And when you realize that this is God's plan, when you realize that nothing takes God by surprise, when you realize that God is sovereign and his providential will is being worked out in your life, then you, can, then you can trust him to handle whatever comes your way. It won't shake your faith so quickly that God's going to use it. As Pastor Chuck Smith once wrote, and let me quote it to you, we cannot read our life's plot from one event or one episode. We can't say whether an event is working to help us accomplish our goal or whether that event is threatening to sabotage us. But we can know this. If and when we're surrendered to God, all things work together for good, Romans 8.28. We know that. 
We don't know what this situation's going to do. We don't know how painful it's going to be or how long it's going to last. Or we don't know whether it's going to help us or hurt us in the present moment. But we do know this. If when we're surrendered to God, all things work together for the good. And no single moment in our life stands in isolation from all the other moments. What doesn't make sense today is explained tomorrow. And what we painfully learned this year is an education we'll appreciate next year, and everything is preparation for something else. Isn't that so good? Man, I miss Pastor Chuck. I mean, we don't miss him because we have everything recorded from him, but man, listen, whatever we don't, whatever doesn't make sense today gets explained tomorrow. You go, wait a minute, Ed, I've been waiting for a lot of tomorrows. Okay. After 365 tomorrows, what we painfully learned this year is an education for next year. And one thing we know for sure, everything is in preparation for something else. There is a purpose and reason for everything you're going through right now. And you're right, you're gonna do one of two things. So am I. I can look back at my life and go, man, I have been Elijah, the top of Mount Carmel greatest victory I've ever experienced. And it seems like in a moment's notice, I have run down the mountain to the lowest cave all alone, crying out to God, why am I alone? However, I can say this, there have been times as well where I can remember being on Mount Carmel and then being challenged and seeing the faithfulness of God. And then when I do run after fear or intimidation, I find myself running to other believers and we gather together and we're strong together and we're praying for one another and I don't make it to the caves. But I go right back up to Mount Carmel because there's a few more prophets to slay. I missed a few in the will of the Lord. There's so much more. Think about our church. Think about our church. Some of you are brand new to this church. Some of you have been with us for many years and everyone in between. I was thinking about this today, just meditating on it, on a few things that are on my heart. And I was just thinking, there is so much still yet to be done in our city. We haven't even scratched the surface of what God wants to accomplish through our lives. And what we're going through today is preparing us for tomorrow. And, and refining us, and, and the, the pain, the difficulty, the challenges, the fears, the intimidations, the closed doors, the open doors, all for the Lord. The last thing that God would have us to do is to rest on our laurels and say, well, you know what? We've arrived. Are you kidding me? We haven't arrived until we see Jesus face to face. Then we've arrived. Then we're on our knees before the glory of God thinking, oh my. First of all, the first thought you're going to have in heaven is, I made it. <laughs> oh man, it was real all along. This is amazing. The second thought you're going to have, you're going to look around and say, you made it too. <laughs> yes, we made it, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? God has promised to complete what he started in your life. And what we see by faith right now, one day will be a reality. One day our ears will hear. It's to some degree or another. And it's our prayer, isn't it? It's our hope. It's what moves us. One day, some way, some form, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy. We're all going to hear that by grace, not by our works. 
And don't you long to hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That can be a reality by God's grace, as Pastor Ed Taylor just mentioned. Thanks for tuning in to Abounding Grace. If today's message really hit home, come by our website. You can listen to the complete message there. It's called Get Up, Get Out, and Go Back. You might also want to add our apps to your mobile devices so you can listen when it's most convenient. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Here in the month of December, we picked out a great book we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christ. Like a journalist would do, Lee Strobel does a personal investigation, searching out evidence that would either confirm or deny Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of the world. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. Maybe the Lord is stirring your heart to get involved in this radio ministry. We are so thankful for each and every gift that comes in, large or small. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Again, we can be reached at 877-30-GRACE. Set aside another half hour to join us next time when we'll dig deeper into 1 Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 